0: Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from The Ideal Man by John Priest Green, published in 1920. Let us talk about character. Is it grown, engraved, or forged? All of these. We are born without character but it soon sprouts and then grows rapidly. The soil is the home, the school, the social life, the business world. Different kinds of soil, each contributing its element to the growth of character. Parents, teachers, companions, and business associates are the character cultivators and largely determine the quality of the product but each one grows their own character. The word character is Greek, and means engraved, an ancient and beautiful conception. We, sometimes with the help of others, engrave our own characters when we begin to act on our own judgment, when we choose and do, and thus form habits. A habit is a groove or a line cut into the soul, fixed, along which future action is almost sure to run. Many habits make an engraving, a permanent picture of the soul or character. It may be truly said also, that character is forged. The human soul is a piece of metal, without form and beauty. It must be worked over. In order to make it right, it must go into the hot fire and under the big hammer. If properly forged, it will come out with a permanent form of grace and beauty. False lines and deformities, bad habits of thought and action, must therefore be hammered out. They cannot be brushed off. Now, what is character? It is I, what I am, Not what I seem to be, not what others think me to be, as this is simply reputation, nor what I desire to be, nor hope to be, but just what I am, what I have grown into, what has been engraved on my soul, the form of my soul metal as it comes from the forge. Character is a stable thing. Desiring and doing will form your character, but when it is once formed, it determines thought and action. If you know the character of a person pretty well, you can tell what they will do in certain situations. For example, someone who loves money too much is very apt to steal if strongly tempted. A mood, on the other hand, is not character. A transient virtue or vice is a mere shadow. It is a chalk mark on the soul, not an engraved line. Good people have vicious moods, and bad people have virtuous moods. You may have read of the polite burglar, or the kind-hearted robber, and you have perhaps seen the otherwise generous person give the needy the cold shoulder. As it's been said, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense. Likewise, do not judge your fellow women and men by their passing moods. A person may be much better or much worse than they just now seem to be, but what they are will come out in the open. Character will triumph. Here is an old proverb, nearly as old as the human race. As you thinketh within yourself, in your heart, so you are. Will this person steal? That depends upon what they have been thinking in their heart for a long time. If they have long been willing to do almost anything to gratify some desire that calls for money, they will probably venture into the region of dishonesty. A friend once stopped me on the street and said, I want to tell you something. I have in the bank, in my name, nearly two million dollars. A company was supposed to be bankrupt and went into the hands of a receiver. The stockholders met to plan for their own protection. They appointed me to look after their affairs. It is all settled. I made the receiver deposit all the money in my name. He protested every time but always yielded. A while ago, a friend of mine suggested that I could lend this vast sum and pocket the interest, because it will be eighteen months until the final settlement. My heart stood still as I said, Will you do it? My friend had carried on a large and honest business for forty years. What an opportunity this was for showing character. He answered in his everyday voice, "'Gentle and firm. "'I would not do such a thing for the whole two million. "'I am now going to call a meeting of the stockholders "'to see what they want done with their money. "'My friend reminded me of the majestic oak "'that is beautiful on a calm day in June, "'but as it writhes and groans in the tempest, "'it is all-inspiring. "'The unseen roots hold.' Character is rooted in thought. As you thinketh, so you are. Desires are also the stuff of which character is made. Or rather, the treatment of desires determines character. Deeds spring from desires. We first desire. Then resolve to obtain the thing desired. Then plan the course we will pursue. Then act. Desires are the main spring of action. We are not responsible for all of our desires. They come unbidden. We cannot account for all of them. Most come through the senses: feeling, tasting, smelling, hearing, seeing. These are the wires. Messages come over them from all directions and at all times. Some flit through the mind Some come again and again, and some abide and claim attention. Indeed, we are thoroughly wired, especially if every sense is keen. The mind is a sort of wireless station, picking up messages from the air, messages not intended for us. Multitudes of desires are entering the mind all the time, and it should be so for unless desires awaken us to action, we would stagnate and retrograde. Nature scatters countless multitudes of seeds. She must do this because most of the seeds do not germinate, and the green earth would become a waste. Likewise, if many desires did not come, we would cease to strive and relapse into barbarism. Be not dismayed at the multitude of desires that force their way into your mind. We are not responsible for the messages that come over the wires. We did not put up the wires, nor do we dictate the messages, but we are responsible for what we do with the messages. The door is open. All may enter, but none may remain without our consent. If we welcome a desire and invite it to remain and entertain it, we are responsible. Now, this is the question. What shall we do with our desires? What we do with them makes character. Subject all your desires to close inspection. Many are good. Give them a warm reception. Some are bad. Do not give them only a hint to go away. Kick them out. Other desires are trivial and unimportant. They may lead to innocent pleasure or debilitating vice. Sort them all out and label them with their proper value. It is not so difficult to do this if you have the will. The mind knows how. Estimating is its business. Give it a fair chance. Do not reason unfairly, and do not be deceived by appearances. Fair-looking things may be foul, and the ugly duckling may grow into a beautiful bird. Use your mind. Call up past experiences. Think of the words and examples of others. Seek the counsel of wiser persons. And pray, lead us not into temptation do faithful, honest, and accurate thinking. Get all the light possible. And remember that it is a transparent deceit to fall back on conscience. Many do this. People have tortured others in obedience to conscience, when a little reflection would have saved them from this error. Conscience is not your guide. It is but the voice within that says, you ought or you ought not. And it should not speak until the judgment has spoken. Judge justly, then let conscience speak. Get all the facts. Turn on all the light. Drive out hate and superstition, for they prevent a good and just judgment. Then when a good and just judgment is reached, after an honest endeavor, hear the voice of your conscience. It will speak, listen to it, heed it. You ought or you ought not is the never dying and never silent categorical imperative of the soul. We must heed this imperative or suffer. But if we allow conscience to speak without a just judgment, it will cry out against us after the light is come and revealed the deception. St. Paul followed his conscience when he persecuted good, innocent people. And when the light came and revealed his awful error, the same conscience condemned what he had conscientiously done. So never forget, always take the time to reflect thoughtfully on the issue at hand, to judge justly, and then follow your conscience.